Hey, welcome back to another episode of Signal Fire Radio, a show, Matthew, about ambitious leadership for ambitious leaders, where each and every day we step out to conquer the villain of self-doubt by doing what, Matt? Nurturing? No, we have encouraging conversations designed to, now you go. Nurture your body. Oh. Strengthen your body, mm. grow your mind, uh. expand your tribe. No, <laughs> I get the adjective. This is why I do the intros. A, de- a show designed to conquer the villain of self-doubt by having encouraging conversations designed to feed the mind, strengthen the body, enrich the spirit, and grow your tribe. Matt, I'm like triply excited today. I've never you should be. I've, I've, I've talked to a lot of CEOs. I've never talked to somebody who spent time on a submarine. And this is the first time we've had a Naval Academy grad on. And my mom wanted me so desperately to go to the Naval Academy, not because of the future it would have created for me, but because she wanted me to be able to get married in the chapel. That was the only reason. <laughs> That's a good reason. Mom is selfish, bro. I didn't do it. I didn't <laughs> yeah. get married there. No, yeah. You but didn't? Could no, you not. have if you wanted to? I could have. I've been in a couple weddings there. Okay. It's a cool spot. Yeah. It's a lot of, a lot of seats to fill up. We lived, get yeah. crazy with the guest list. <laughs> yeah, right? <laughs> it's, it's a dangerous game. Yeah, you, big, gotta be like, you gotta be like a senator's son or something yeah, yeah. But to do. Yeah. His, his dad's a retired colonel, and his, his dad's last job in the Marine Corps was flying around the Commandant. In his well, we lived, at, we lived in Annapolis, and that's why, and mom would like just go walk down through the academy campus all the time as the colonel's wife because she could and she would just like stare at that stained glass window in in the chapel at the naval academy and she just see your mom doing she saw my future i think this is why she's so disappointed in me (laughs) (laughs) i didn't i didn't do those things i still love you thanks and i I know your mom does too (laughs) your love your love outweighs my need for my mother's love thank you you're welcome (laughs) Now your dad, your dad, I, dad that's a different, different story. story. Dad, different story. <laughs> ben, welcome to the show, man. Thanks. Thanks for having me. This so, day. so, uh, Wilmingtonian born and raised, right? That's right. That's right. That yeah. might, you, he might also be the first born and bred Wilmingtonian we've had on the show too. Oh, no, that's a lot of, we'll have to check the official, could the official be a lot of show firsts. logs. Yeah. Could be a lot of firsts. So how did you, uh, what was it like growing up here, man? Cause you've seen this place change. So it's changed a, a lot and not a lot all at the same time. Uh, the biggest, I mean, so still kind of cool beach town, all that stuff. Mm-hmm. Definitely felt smaller than it does now, just less to do, you know, less of all the stuff. Um, the biggest thing is growing up here, I never thought that I'd, you know, live here as an adult just because there right. wasn't a whole lot going on. You know, not a lot of tech, not a lot of anything. It was, you know, there was some pharmaceuticals, PPD was here. Um, but other than that, if you wanted to stay, it was like, you know, go in medicine or mm-hmm. law or real estate. And that was pretty much it. So, um yeah, definitely never expected to be here, maybe when I was older, but uh, uh, it's been very cool to kind of see all the changes from the, the business front. What, uh, uh, If I remember correctly, you've got to be like an engaged young person if you're going to get into an academy, right? Like you've got to have a letter from a from a congressperson person or a senator right yeah like, did you have to be an eagle scout like i was not a boy scout the only kid a that lot I, of a lot of people are i was not okay um, yeah because the only kid from my high school that went to the that went to the naval academy his name was grant greenwell he actually worked on submarines but he'd have been older than you um he had he was an eagle scout okay and and i just like associated him with being a boy scout and mm-hmm. then so the logical next thing was to go sure. to the naval academy Th- there may be some <laughs> correlation but that not not me um no it's uh it's just different. It's just different than, you know, there's the college application side of it, and then there's all the other stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, there's the whole nomination process, and it's basically another application thing. So, 
Um, engage is maybe a good word. Just it's just different. Yeah. Um, and as an eighteen year old, I have no idea really what drew me to that. Like at the end of yeah, the day, yeah. Do you look back on that and be like, because I mean that took a lot of intestinal fortitude and a lot of work as a young person to like make that happen. I would think. Yeah, it's also a lot of like. And I don't mean this in a bad way, but a lot of ignorance of mm. like you're 18. It's like, wouldn't this be cool? Yeah, I'll, I'll just do this, you know. Um, and, I'm gonna and join the Marine Corps. Of, uh, yeah, <laughs> that sounds see, cool. Right? See, yeah, same, yeah. same, like honestly, probably the same amount of thought yeah, went into that. Yeah. But um, but no, I mean, my I, you know, grandparents had been in the military. My dad was in the Navy when he was uh, young. I had cousins who had gone to the Air Force Academy, and I was like, you know, people apply to college, you go to military academy. That's mm-hmm. a cool thing. It's free. Mm-hmm. Um, and so just kind of went down that road, and you know, there was a lot of you know hoops to jump through. But did you have a good time when you were there at the academy in uh, Annapolis? I did. Yeah, yeah. I, and probably um, the first year isn't super fun. I mean, looking back, it's fun in the moment. Like, I don't think anyone in their their right. plebe year, their first year, has a ton of fun. But I had a blast. I mean, after that, it's college. Yeah, you're in the military, but you're mostly in college. And like, you lived in Annapolis. Annapolis mm-hmm. is like a cool, cool, really cool city. city. Crab cakes and football. That's right. what Maryland does. <laughs> that's right. That's right. Uh, that old downtown area is really yeah. cool. So I had a blast. Um, yeah, more fun than I thought I was going to have there, in fact. Um, and looking back, I mean, we love, my wife and I love to go visit and have a ton of friends from there. Have yeah. you been back there in recent history? Yeah, not in the last 18 months or yeah. so, just with yeah. all the COVID stuff. But yeah, we try to go back for at least a football game every year and, and get up there more than that if we can. Dude, we've got, uh, so Suiting Warriors did an Army-Navy game thing a while back, and I want to do it again. And at we'll Annapolis? Court, yeah, at Annapolis, yeah. Because I've never been to an Army-Navy game at Annapolis, and I really, really, really want to well, go. Well, so the and the the Army Navy game is always at a neutral site. Oh, that's right, too. it is always at a neutral um, site, and yeah. it's moved around. It's back to Philadelphia usually. Yeah, um, it was in Philadelphia. I think three of the they four play where years. the Eagles play. Yes. Yeah. Okay, that's right. Yeah. Yes. Um, which is also really cool because Philadelphia yeah. kind of gets up for the game, mm-hmm. and uh, it's a great, great scene afterwards. Heck yeah, dude. Okay, we're. <laughs> it's when fun. is it? Do you know when it is this year? It's usually, in, I don't know. Like uh, December, like towards Rivals Week, right? It's usually like the week after Rivals Week. Yeah, kind of usually stands alone. Yeah, um, on that weekend. When, dude, when that would be awesome. When Auburn plays Alabama, it's the same around the same yeah. time that yeah. Army plays Navy. Because nobody, I mean, they talk about Army Navy, but not like you know the Southeastern Conference teams. We won't go there. SEC, SEC, man. ACC, ACC. Hey, did you know I'm still a champion? I'm still a World Series champion. <laughs> okay. That was last week. Put it to bed. I won't, no, I'm not going to. I told you last week. I, I, have, I have a huge Braves fan, Ben, okay. and I have 365 days to, to live as a champion of a World Series. <laughs> Matt's so over it. So, I, everybody's over it. Everybody's over it. <laughs> I'm not over it. Last time. I won't do it again, I promise, until the end of the show. <laughs> So after you got out of the academy, you, you chose to go on submarines? I did. I chose okay. to do submarines. So... Um, the way it works at the academy is you get exposed to all sorts of different stuff in the summers. You can you do summer cruises. You go out, and um, one of the things you do between your sophomore and junior years is go, and it's either East Coast or West Coast. I was in the West Coast, so all kind of around San Diego. Mm-hmm. But you spend, like, a week, week and a half with the Marine Corps, a week, week and a half with the SEALs, a week and a half with aviation, surface, subs. You kind of do all that pretty quickly and just get exposed to it to figure out what you're interested in. Um and if you would have asked me when I showed up there, like, hey, what do you want to do? I would have said anything but submarines. Mm. Like, the idea of being underwater and no windows, uh, you know. Yeah. M- most people have the same reaction They make to that. the best movies, though. Cool movies. movie is always but, a good movie. But if you would have asked me as an 18, 19, even 20-year-old, I would have said, you know, not that. Um, but after going and getting exposed to all the different stuff, I just kind of fell in love with all the people. Just super smart people solving pretty complicated problems. And... Um, 
so went for it and said, you know, that makes sense. I want to be around those people. Uh, and so, yeah, elected to do that. And that's a whole other screen. You got to do a bunch of testing stuff and go do interviews and all that. Um, and then, yeah, jumped in. And then there's, you know, more school after school to mm-hmm. go do, do submarines. So was there anything in the summers that you were like, oh, hell no, I'm not I'm not going to be a Marine or anything no, along those no, lines. No, no, it all like that's what it, I kind of liked everything. You yeah. know, they all seemed like good options. Um, there's different. There's different things too, right? If you go aviation, if you're going to be a pilot or something, that's a, a much different commitment. It's mm-hmm. like a ten year commitment after you get your wings, and there's all these backups in flight school. So it's like you're kind of committing to like, okay, I'm going to do a career in the military, right. and I always wanted to serve and then have a career, you know, in business afterwards. So. For me, it was get, do something that is challenging and awesome and, you know, I enjoy and, and around cool people, um, but then also be able to go do something else like I'm doing now. When when you got to the fleet, what was it like like being a submariner? Is it submariner or I submariner? Don't, submariner. We, so we usually say submariner. Yeah, but hell really? yeah, Matt. Hell yeah. We, <laughs> us submariners. We, uh, <laughs> But yes. I think like both are accepted. <laughs> yeah, I, thought, like, I, I thought I thought like a submariner was a version of a Rolex. See, I don't know what to call that. I, I think <laughs> I, I think I if someone Do you have like, one? Oh, I have the no no. <laughs> yeah. uh, but but I'd be like that's a submariner. But what were you? I was a submariner. Yeah. I, but it's the same word. Yeah. I'm wrong on one of those. Two, no, probably. you're not. I think um, I think it's sub sub. So anyway, there's uh, gonna be some, there's gonna be some some keyboard warriors that are gonna give it to us on this episode. Like y'all dummies, it's submariner. Yeah. Don't take my word for it. Uh, <laughs> uh, but it was uh, it was fun. It's such a small like part of the military mm-hmm. like it's a very tight-knit and it's kind of very you don't get exposed to a lot of other people like if you're on surface ships you've got marines that you're taking places and you kind of you know interact or if you're on an aircraft carrier you've got pilots on board um submarines kind of do submarine things and usually alone with their like 100 person crew yeah and that's it um yeah. so, so how many how many submariners are there in the navy approximately that's a great question you, oh, you don't know? <laughs> no. Uh, that so, uh, that's a fantastic uh, question, Matt. I'm so I glad don't have you the answer. Uh, no, but uh, <laughs> let me let me think. So, in a class, like in any given class, there will be a couple hundred uh, students going through the pipeline at a given time, and maybe there's um, a dozen of those classes. So maybe a thousand new ones each year. So you've got to think in like thousands, not tens of thousands, but right. thousands um, is kind of the the scale, I'd guess. But again. Uh, a quick Google search, dude. Could, yeah, I'm googling. I'm learning better, more. Uh, I'm learning about. Answers. So it says there's there's 66 submarines in the Navy. Yep. So you said about 100 to there's there's about 100 to 150 depending on the kind of submarine. Okay. Uh, crew members. So like six. So 6,500 to eight. Well, plus short duty, right? Because yeah. you got so d- double that, uh, maybe total. Yeah. Did you know that there's three different kinds of of submarines? Did you know this, Matt? I've not done any re- to, to, do, to Ben's do. point. Like, <laughs> I, I didn't really know well, much there's, about. There's three, and and the answer is there's more than three, really, because there's really? different like Variations. flights within right. the three. But there's three like very distinct. So types. a ballistic missile sub, an attack sub, and a cruise missile sub. Those are the. This is what Google's giving me. Am I right about that? That is that Google is, right about that? that? That is right. Okay. So how many different ships did you serve on? Uh, for like active uh, deploying one. And then I did a tour in Charleston, like going through all the school stuff before that. And then three years or so, a little more than that, uh, deploying on 
uh, fast attack boat out of Norfolk. And then I went back to Charleston and there's two, and they've actually changed since I was there, but two permanently moored submarines down there that are active. Their reactors are still active. They do training, testing, like where, all the students come come through there. Where where they keep that or kept that? Isn't that where your nephew would have gone? Creek. My cousin's yeah. at Goose Creek. Yeah, so he's there. Right. Um, so there's both the uh, Nuclear Power Training Command, which is all the classroom stuff uh, that happens for six weeks, and th- or sorry, six months. And then you move over to Prototype, which there's one there, and then there's one in New York, uh, still active, I think, but they're eventually going to shut that down in uh, right down the road. And then you do six months of like active hands-on, you know, if you're a mechanic, you're, you know, learning how to operate valves and do stuff. If you're a, you know, electronics technician, you're actually working on electronics on the reactor, all that stuff. What was your specific role? So as a sub officer, you're kind of like the jack of all quarterbacks. You, you just yeah, yeah. So you kind of you get you st- always start whenever you go to your boat, you start in engineering. Like the whole thing is you are a you know you have to learn how to run the propulsion plant. So you show up uh, and get some job in the engineering department. So I was the reactor controls officer. So um, like electronics that make the reactor control system work. Um, so did that for a while, and then eventually you kind of they call it we call it moving forward in the submarine. You go to like the operational planning stuff. So mm-hmm. I was our communications officer and ops. Um, so then you just do mission planning stuff, and you kind of spend at least a year, year and a half doing nuclear engineering stuff, and then move forward. What's a day in life like when you're when you're deployed? Uh, Dude, no kidding. That that's a great question, and 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 I've uh, always been fascinated by this. And so this has changed too. Um, in the last few years, and I think in a positive way. So forever, and when I was um, when I was on my boat, submarines always operated on 18-hour days. They've since changed this because they realized this is really terrible for human beings. Yeah. But an 18-hour day, so there's three watches, like three watch teams, three shifts um, that kind of man all the different stations at any given time. And so you have three six-hour watches for an 18-hour day. So say you're you know, you wake up, you do your you know briefing, and you get on watch, and whatever your watch station is, right? Um, everything from a sonar operator to someone driving the boat to everything in between operating the reactor. Um, and say you did midnight to 6 a.m., and then you'd be on watch, you know, standing watch during that time operating the boat. And then the six hours after that, you do all your other work, like all your admin, you know, if you've got maintenance to do, all that stuff happens in the next six hours. And then that last six hours, you sleep, maybe try to work out, read, whatever, and then it repeats. But now you're on, you're working during a different part of the day. Right. So you're then sleeping at a different so time So one whole day, day is, that, is like God, 36 hours. Yeah. Well, one whole – yeah, it's 18 yeah. hours. But yeah. It, but it just repeats and it changes. So you're sh- – in that ki- – and again, they, they went to 24-hour days recent. In, yeah. I don't know, in the past few years. But uh, – confu- It confused But there's no like, – but think about yeah. that. You're underwater, so there's no light. Like, yeah. I mean, the lights are on, so it's always the same. Mm-hmm. So it doesn't – like, there's no sense of like, – Time. You're, you're only tied to like, hey, what watch am I on is like what meal did I eat? Like, what were they serving for food before I started? <laughs> was it eggs? Was it or eggs was or it, was it, yeah, like, yeah, you know, a lasagna? Piece of chicken. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. That's your tie to, like, where you are in the that's day. So crazy. it's That's a weird thing. Um, yeah. But you just kind of get in the rhythm of that, and it's so routine. Like, crazy stuff can be happening when you're on, you're doing interesting missions, you know, seeing stuff. But then it's just like, well, but now I have to sleep because I'm about to go back. And you just get in this rhythm yeah. of that for months at a time. It's amazing how the body will adapt to those things. Yeah. And you then know, when, like, you know, crazy stuff happens and it's like, oh, I just didn't get to sleep for that six hours or the next six hours. What was the longest like, time that you, what, like, is there a, yeah, a, a subsurface? What's subsurface, the, what's the duration? longest duration that is A, recommended and B, that you personally live through? 
I don't know on the recommended. Okay. Uh, I so they've, they've got it. There's got to be I'll, a Navy well, SOP that. that says don't be underwater for this long. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, I'm sure. Yeah, uh, but the longest uh, the longest time without surfacing and like getting off the submarine because you'll yeah without surfacing and getting off the submarine for whatever that's worth. Uh, Seventy five days was the longest continuous time. Holy crap, we dude! And I I was on. God, I was on a ship for like a month straight, like when we were trying to figure out what we were going to do. 75 And days. I almost and, died. And so it's different for different types. So that was long for yeah. an attack submarine. Usually you're like, a, if you're on deployment, a month, six weeks, maybe between port calls mm-hmm. is kind of normal. Um, but that's the that's an attack submarine. The ballistic missile submarines will go out on patrols and, you know, three months is kind of nominal of like, they just go mm-hmm. and they're quiet and they... Stay away from everything. Sneak and around, they're on, you know. They're the Red Sea and well, the, some other places. No, that's more attack submarines. <laughs> okay, so, okay. Ballistic missile submarines, like there's a base in Georgia, Kings Bay, Georgia. There's a base up in Washington State, and you just kind of go out okay. and stay away from everything. Yeah. Like, don't yeah. go anywhere interesting because you're, you know, you're <laughs> just, just be a, ready to pull a, the trigger, platform, right? Yeah, yeah. Um, and so those guys will go out for longer. But you know, the the interesting thing about submarines is it's you know nuclear powered, so there's. No, you're never going to run out of gas. You make your own oxygen, you know, air, oxygen to breathe. You make your own water from seawater. So the only thing you're limited on is food. So it's how much food can you load out on a, you know, pack in there. So, I mean, the floor raises on deployments because we stack cans of food and everything on the floor. So you got to, like, you know, learn to not hit your head on new things. There isn't a podcast about being on a submarine. (laughs) There freaking needs to be one because I could listen to that endlessly. Okay, we got to take a real quick break before we do. Best submarine movie, in your opinion? Oh, great. Uh, okay. I so the most realistic, yeah. or the best? Could it, your your so, call, dealer's uh, choice? Okay, entertainment so I, value. So I, I'm gonna realistic? like meld two together here. Okay. this might be a, a weird mega so, movie, right? Yeah. Uh, so <laughs> one, and just because like they filmed it well, and I don't know, the drama is a little much, but they filmed it well. Like Crimson Tide is mm-hmm. cool, but then you got to mix in like Down Periscope, which okay. is a comedy yeah. of like all the because ca- it's a mix of that, yeah. right? It's so I would, if you watch both of those, somewhere in between is maybe the truth. Okay. All right. So Crimson Tide and Down Periscope, squish them together. Josh, can you edit those two movies together? Crim- All right, Josh. Yeah, Crimson, Crimson Periscope. Crimson Periscope? Yeah. Down Tide? Down Tide. We'll figure it out, man. All right, don't go anywhere. When we come back, we're going to talk with Ben about how do you go from being a submariner, Matthew, to the CEO of a tech company. Don't go anywhere. We'll be right back on Signal Fire Radio. Do you like monster truck rallies? Do you like Taco Bell on Wednesday afternoons? And do you like men with mustaches? If you said yes to any of those, you need to check out our merch. This merch is one of our newest pieces called the Chill Switch Engage. It comes in this nice, faded, vintage look, not retro, vintage. Go to signalfire.media so you can engage your chill switch. Do it now. Welcome back to Signal Fire Radio, ladies and gentlemen. We are having a really fun conversation, Matthew, about submarines. You, you did not tell me that Ben was a submariner before you invited him on. I don't the know. Show. I, 
I don't know if his LinkedIn said. I just knew that he was. I would put. A, I would put that crap. What was your like MOS title? Nuclear officer. Just a submarine officer. So every submarine okay, officer has to do nuclear just, stuff. Nu- um, nuclear, yeah. Matthew. Nuclear. <laughs> I thought it's nuclear. <laughs> I'll, I'll share the meme with you later. No, I, I know exactly you what you're the talking memo. about. I'm not, I'm not going to say anything. <laughs> so what year did you get out of the military? Uh, 2018 okay. is when I got, yeah, got out. So talk a little bit about your transition, because you had a super unique one. Sure. So... Uh, like I said, I never really planned to do uh, you know a twenty plus year career. Always wanted to do it. You did kind of you know after you graduate from the academy, you've got a five year commitment. Did a little more than that. I uh, signed on from more short duty. Just I, I really liked what I was doing, um, but also at some point wanted to get uh, get involved in the business world and kind of go for it. So uh, about a year, maybe a year and a half before I actually uh, left active duty started really getting serious about what I wanted to do. And I knew I wanted to do something in technology. I didn't know exactly what, uh, something hopefully, you know, with SAS. And I kind of fell in love with that world and started learning more and more about it. Um, got in touch with a lot of big companies kind of across the country and, and realized like, yeah, I'm in a big company that is the Navy right now. I'd love to do something really small. Um, and so talked to a bunch of startups kind of everywhere. Um, and also I thought about for I know I'm kind of jumping around but I thought about um, there's a concept uh, uh, called search funds which you go raise a bunch of money basically as a potential entrepreneur and go uh, buy a company that's mm-hmm. kind of uh, has a lot of potential and grow it so I looked at that a little bit but you kind of it's hard to do that coming right out of the military it's kind of the way to do that is go get your MBA first and then go do that and and I I wanted to get to work like I felt like you know I'd been in school forever because submarines a lot of, lot of that, school. Matt, no time wasted on the MBA. Sorry, we, Matt has his MBA. We tease him about it. No, and I, uh, <laughs> and I regret that two years of my life. I, I, I've got, a, I don't know, I've got a lot of friends who it's like the best thing yeah, they've I ever know, done. I, I just, I, it's so, it's so hit or miss. I, I just felt like I'd been in school for 30 yeah. years. Um, and I wanted to, I, I, I still love the idea of doing that, but I just wanted to get to work. Right. Mm-hmm. So, um, ended up kind of looking all over the country for what to do and interesting opportunities and, being from Wilmington originally, just kind of started casually networking here. Didn't really think um, anything was going to happen in Wilmington, but got hooked up with a few folks who were working on a software idea that while I was kind of talking to them, turned into a software company. Um, but just uh, I'm kind of working around a table mm-hmm. like this with like four people at the time yeah. um, and and kind of fell in love with the industry that they were, were in, which is community management, just kind of property tech. We can talk about that. Um, and really kind of fell in love with the team, just super smart people working on a really cool product in an industry that could really use great technology. And um, somehow my wife agreed to, you know, move back to Wilmington and join a, you know, brand new company with, you know, I think one client uh, at, at the time and, and go for it. And it's, you know, best decision we ever made. Uh, if, if, I could, if I could pause you real quick there, it sounds like uh, the same reasons you decided to be a submariner or some of the same reasons that you chose to go do this, right? It's be around super smart people. Exactly right. So, um, and I don't know, I, I don't, I'd like to think I'd figured this out at the time, but I think it's more looking back what it was. I realized all the things that I loved about submarines. There's a bunch of stuff I didn't love, right? There's a bunch of BS in the military right. that, that you're like, Oh, I, I, you know, I'm not going to miss this or this, but I, there was a lot that I did love and it was solving really complex problems with really smart people. And so I was looking for a really complex problem, which, you know, our industry has a bunch of complex problems to solve and they need solving. 
and then looking for really smart people to solve it with. And I kind of found that in the original team at Vanica. Um, and that's what fired me up. And that's what, you know, I still love doing every single day. It's, you know, a complex problem to solve. And we have a lot of smart people on our team. So talk about that, like that moment where you sold your wife on the idea and you get there, you're the fifth person to start. Something like that. There may, there may, there. yeah. Some, anyway. Well, top digits, 10, you're top 10. Ben. For you're sure. Top 10. Early, early. Um, <laughs> but they, but they had been, wor- so what was cool about that too, they'd been working on the idea for a while. Like, the, you know, a lot of, you know, time spent programming and writing code. They had a beta kind of testing company that uh, the, that they were working with, which was really cool to prove out the idea. Um, but yeah, it just showed up and it was you know straight out of the military and it's like, hey, what do we do here? Yeah. Um, and it was it was awesome. The, the fact of of coming into a company that was so small, like everyone did everything and had to do everything, so it was great. Like I, you know, <coughs> spent tons of time working with our support team, which was a support guy yeah. at the time. There was one, you know, one guy doing that, Zach. Um, and <laughs> and so I, like hung out with him a ton and then hung out with our onboarding folks who were figuring out how, like, how are we going to onboard new clients? Because it wasn't at that point, it wasn't this, you know, mapped out this great implementation process. And it was a Hey, someone signed a deal. What do we do now? Yeah, How do yeah. we, you know? Sounds, so, somebody sounds familiar. Yeah, somebody said yes. Right. Um, and so <laughs> now, it was, what? now what? What? <laughs> it was just a crazy fun time of you know everyone you know staying up late and working hard together and solving problems. So just kind of jumped in with two feet and uh, and it was just a great team of people. So so that was what three years ago, four years ago. Yeah. Okay. Uh, so uh, four years ago, got hooked up with that that team and kind of said, yes, I'm going to come on board here. And then Mm -hmm. I had about nine months left, a little more, nine months left before I was actually able to get out um, uh, and transition out of active duty and move here. So I spent a lot of time that first year, that was 2017, before we moved here in 2018, every kind of, you know, coming up Friday at lunch from Charleston uh, up here, spending the weekend, you know, spending time with the team, getting to know them. Um, and then, yeah, moved here a little over, you know, three and a half years ago. Were there points like over the past three years where you're like, what the hell am I doing? Like, this is nuts. In the past three years? Yeah. No. No? Nope. Not uh, at all? No. Uh, it, like, it's chaos, but like yeah. beautiful chaos. Yeah. It's, it's also uh, the team, like, we've always kind of, one thing we've done well, we've done a lot of stuff where we could, you know, improve on hugely, but uh, We've always been really lockstep with where we want to go and what our vision is, and we're thinking very big about what Vanica can be. Um, and so, yeah, not really for a day has there been a what the heck are we doing? It's mm-hmm. always been like, hey, there's problems in front of us. Let's solve them and so, let's keep rolling. So what specifically does Vanica do? Okay, so this is so this is a complicated answer. Um, <laughs> I, know, I was looking so, on the website and I was going to try and explain it. And it I was something like, no. to do with don't try. No. Yeah, so, so <laughs> HOAs. Yes, yeah, so on the right track. So let's start with that. So better, closer, so, warmer. So H. So as long, I'll assume everyone knows what an HOA is, right? Homeowners association. There's other kinds of community associations like condominium associations, co-ops, think you know things like that. But it's it's a not-for-profit entity that governs mm-hmm. shared real property more or less right so that's that's an HOA um, and HOAs themselves are exploding in the United States so in 1970 there were like 10,000 HOAs in the US and now there's 350 360,000 HOAs wow. in the United States 40 million homes in those those homeowners or is that just because things are moving to a more suburban like uh, s- development type community model uh, yeah, so that's the that's the trend in real estate. So, upwards of seventy five to eighty percent of new construction real estate, like residential owned real estate, 
is in a community association structure. And okay. once you are, are built in a community association structure, there's governing docs, there's you know covenants that govern that community. It's really hard and doesn't really happen to ever leave that, right? right. So um, it's convenient for developers. It protects property. There's lots of good things, as much as HOAs get a really bad rap. Right. There's lots of good things for developers and homeowners, uh, you know, protecting property values and all that stuff. Um, and so that's the trend. So most new development, so, that, so it continues to grow pretty, pretty rapidly. And the other trend that's really happened in the past, let's say, 30 years in a really meaningful way is professional management of those HOAs. Because at the end of the day, unless you have a really simple kind of small community where, yeah, you have a sign and like you collect, you know, 50 bucks from everyone once a year and repaint the sign. If you've got amenities, if you've got tennis courts or, you know, a clubhouse or all that stuff, you've got dues, you're paying landscapers. Generally, there's a volunteer board of directors who kind of like set the rules or, or, or you know, you know, govern, if you will. But they hire a professional management company to handle all their affairs, right? To collect dues from homeowners. What happens if someone doesn't pay? You don't want to knock on your neighbor's door and be like, "Hey, I'm giving you a late fee," and like, "Oh, you didn't pay again." Like, I'm putting a lien against your house. Yeah, and you that don't. Like, that's not like a very neighborly mafia. thing to do. Um, <laughs> So, but management companies serve that role. So they, and then they can provide lots of other services. So they help with vendor selection and vendor management and reserve planning, kind of capital planning for the future, really helping, you know, helping the the neighborhood or community uh, with long-term planning. So that has grown. So management companies have grown like crazy in the last 30 years. And those are our customers, the, the folks who serve many communities. So our customers on the small end might, uh, provide community management services for dozens of communities on the high end, you know, a thousand plus communities over, you know, large swaths of, of the U.S. So, so oh, go ahead. Mike. So locally, CAMS, you know CAMS? They're a client of ours. Yeah. Okay. So that's that's a perfect that, example. That's of- a great example of um, of our customer. Yeah. And so, and we're all over. So North Carolina, we have a handful of, like a, a small handful of clients in North Carolina. We have 35 clients in California. Um, and, and in total... So uh, as of today, over 160 management companies, and that's uh, just over 2 million doors that we connect to through Vanica. So we do everything for them, like process their payments for assessments. We pay vendors, you know, through the software for them. We automate all the accounting. We integrate with their banks. So it makes the management company's life much more efficient so they can have all their information in one place. You know, we automate a lot of those manual tasks. Imagine um, if you're a, a management company who manages hundreds and hundreds of communities, you might be paying 20,000 invoices a month. And imagine if your process for that is like open mail, mm-hmm. code invoice, bring over to someone else's desk for approval, cut check. Instead, you can automate a lot of the, you know, we can use OCR, optical character recognition, to read the invoice and pre-populate all the information in there. If you've got contracts set up, you can pre-approve that, pay it electronically. We automate all that. So what's the, so you touched on it a little bit, but like you got there, they had just booked their first client. What's the company's growth been since since one client like to today? So so we've grown, uh, we've grown significantly. We were, we've kind of followed the the SaaS uh, goal of triple, triple, double, double, double. Mm-hmm. So um, in terms of customer numbers, we've grown from you know that first year, one client, uh, 2017, to 160 today. And then in terms of employees, um, you know, went from five to eight to 18 to 35. Now we've got 100 wow. uh, full-time employees. Hell, yeah, that's awesome, yeah. man. What's your personal growth been like through that time? <clears throat> it's It's been a great uh it's really changed each year um and going f- i've i've kind of learned 
the value of who much more than like how or what we're going to do. So really finding great people at every role in the company has been the secret sauce to that. And so mm-hmm. like my I, I, absolutely today, I see my biggest role is just finding really great, smart people and trying to get obstacles out of their way to let them be really successful. Yeah. Um, and so that's that's kind of opened my eyes. Is like, hey, you don't have to know the answer. Like, and, and I encourage everyone to realize, like, hey, just find the right who who can help you solve these problems and can you know help you on your team to do those things and just get stuff out of their way. Right. Help them be successful. Um, so that's kind of opened my eyes. It's like you don't have to have all the answers, but you just have to find people and listen to people and empower them to make great decisions. Yeah. Wait, how uh, did you feel like you knew that immediately, or was that something that you grew into? I think grew into, um, you know, some of that stuff uh, you learn from the military. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think you innately know that. Like people surprise you in the military all the time of, you know, someone who's, you know, a teenager who's brand new that solves a crazy problem or makes a, you know, in the submarine example, repairs some component underwater to let us, you know, do, it's like, oh my gosh, you know, people can do amazing things if they're empowered to do that. So maybe innately, but I think it's been a learned and observed kind of thing over the past few years. Tell, uh, like, tell the guys at home and ladies at home that are listening, like, what did that three years look like for you, like, on the inside, what people weren't really seeing? Because you, So you went through the Honor Foundation, right? Or you I didn't you go. coached for it. You coached for the Honor Foundation. Right. Yep. So you've been involved in military transition mm-hmm. now since you've done it yourself. Like, maybe, maybe, like, what was your personal change going from, okay, I'm just getting out of the Navy. Yep. I'm pushing all the chips in. I'm going to work for a four-person company with one client in Wilmington. Now I'm the CEO three years later, and we've got over 160 clients or uh, 100 100 people that work for you. Like, What was all that change that was manifesting itself in you? What did that look like for you personally? So uh, it's a... I don't know that I've spent probably enough time reflecting on that. I think there's there's moments and days certainly in that where you question like, hey, am I the right person for this? You know, I, especially early, right? Mm-hmm. Especially coming right out of the military. And that's when you really wonder, it's like, hey, you know, SaaS software, I'm not an expert on software or, you know, property right. management for that matter. Like, who am I to, you know, try to solve this? But it's much less, I think, about that and more about like, hey, are you willing to, you know, really put 100% of your effort into something and, you know, can you work with people? So I think it's those, you know, early on coming out of the military, and this is why I love what the Honor Foundation does, is I think everyone transitioning out of the military has imposter syndrome in whatever their first job is, unless they're doing exactly what they did Mm -hmm. in the military. So if you're a Marine and you go and you're a contractor, or if you're a submarine guy and you go work in a nuclear power plant, it's like you show up and you're like, okay, I know how to do this job. But if you do anything else, whether it's um, you know, if you go into real estate or tech or, you know, law, you're going to have some imposter syndrome of like, these other people have been doing this yeah. for years. Um, I don't belong uh, yeah. here. Uh, I hope then, they don't know how <laughs> stupid I am. <laughs> but, but then quickly, and, and maybe this is made to answer your question, there's, there's a realization that hopefully happens quick. And I, I don't think it happened overnight, but after a year or so, it's a, the realization that, hey, no one has all the answers. Mm-hmm. And most people don't have many answers. They're just everyone's figuring it out. And you've, you, know, you just get comfortable being uncomfortable and like, oh, this is normal. Like we're just all solving problems every day. And that was the biggest realization. It probably took a year or so to realize that like, hey, no one, even if they've been doing something, even if they've been in technology for 20 years, they're still running into things every day. It's like, we have no idea what to do here. Let's, oh, let's put our heads together and think. I love that. I love that mindset. Uh, hold that thought. I want to talk to you more about it. We're going to take a real quick break. Don't go anywhere. We're going to pick up with Ben Curran, CEO of Vantica, right here on Signal Fire Radio. 
Hey, welcome back to Signal Fire Radio, our third and final segment. We were talking with Ben Curran. Curran? Curran. Curran. Yes. Curran, CEO of Vantica. I got that right. I said Vantaco when he walked in. He's yeah. like, actually, it's Vantica. But you said Submariner and not no, Submariner. I said Submariner. You're not related like to Tom Curran by any chance, are you? Nope. He was one of my favorite surfers growing up. <laughs> this is like the show of multiple. It's like, is it Curran or Curran? Is it yeah. Antica or Vantaka? I'm going to start saying Submariner now. Yeah. <laughs> yeah just, I, don't, I don't know. Whatever. We, yeah. we do whatever everybody else does. We just do the opposite. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> oh, just stop it, Robert. So you, you talked about imposter syndrome. We've talked about it on the show before, and I think you're spot on. Unless you go do the exact same thing. So my dad flew C-130s for 30 years in the Marines. You know what he did afterwards? He went and flew C-130s for Lockheed Martin. Right. So it's like, okay... I got this. Me, I went from a mortuary affairs specialist to selling insurance, and I had no freaking clue what it was that I was doing. I had ambition, and I cared, and I wanted to figure it out. You had to go from being infantry to being a cop, and then when you didn't want to be a cop anymore, you're like, oh, crap, what am I supposed to go do now? I think the overwhelming majority, Ben, of transitioning military feel that in their first job. Do you agree with that? I do. Um, and I think it's, and, and talking, especially to talking to guys in the Honor Foundation, there's a lot of folks who, because of that anxiety about, like, even before you feel imposter syndrome, but just thinking about, like, hey, I want to go work in technology or I want to go sell real estate or whatever mm-hmm. it is, I think uh, I think a lot of people like steer themselves or box themselves into doing something that they are comfortable doing, even if it's not what they loved about what they did in the military. Right. Um, I, I like I see, and not that there's anything wrong with doing that direct thing, but like if you love doing that, mm-hmm. and um, and so yeah, I've seen so many of my buddies go and and work for a nuclear power company because that was a direct like you know straight line for right. what they were doing. Even though that was the, the the thing that they liked the least about being on submarines, some people love it and they're they're loving it today. But some people are like, yeah, I loved all the mission planning, all the stuff. But I'm going to go do this thing because mm-hmm. I know how to do it. And there's a civilian job that pays well. And it's to do super that. technical, and there's not a lot of people that can do it. Right. Yeah. And so I don't think it's a bad thing to take the skills that you built in the military and directly apply them if that's what you like doing. And that's why I said I don't think that I knew this at the time. But anytime I ever talk to someone in THF or otherwise, my thing is like, hey, figure out what you love about your job in the military or, or you know, about your experience in the military. And there's probably something, right? There's probably, it might not be everything or you wouldn't be getting out or retiring or, you know, whatever the case is. But there's something that you love. And for, for me, it was, hey, solving really complex problems with really smart people. And it's like, okay, well, how do I do that then? What else am I interested in? I'm interested in technology. I'm interested in, you know, a, you know, a startup business that could grow. And so that was, you know, led me kind of to that, maybe unintentionally. But um, I think that's the biggest thing is you can, yeah, you, maybe there's some imposter syndrome, but like figure out what you love to do. And if you're passionate about it, you're going to figure it out, right? So you said that you like solving really complex problems with really smart people verbatim, like three times, four right. times. Is that like your life's mission statement? I but think so. Why? That, yeah, that's, that's what... Um, I, and I like I like I said I think it's taken me through going you know submarines and having that experience and and having the this experience at, at Vanica to realize that that's what fires me up that's what that's what I am passionate about um, and so yeah I mean if, for for anything that's kind of as as I look at you know what we what we are doing in Vanica it's like hey here's a complex problem let's let's solve it how are we going to solve it let's go find the smartest people we can and bring them on the team and solve it together. Um, yeah, that's certainly become the, the why for me. So for you as, as a connector, and I think you said it was a good realization for you as it was for me, like I don't have the answers. 
I don't need to have the answers sure. for everything, but like, let's go find somebody who does. What does that look like for you now as a chief executive of a wildly fast-growing company to go, I need to identify talent that's going to help us grow in areas that I'm deficient? Right. What does that look like for you? So, so um, it's it's really easy because I don't know so much about <laughs> so like I'm not a software engineer, so it's like it, it's impossible for me to sit down and be like I'm gonna solve I'm gonna solve this new thing or build this new thing. Instead, it's it's mostly encouraging our team to ask like Hey, are we the smartest people to do this, or do, like or is there a who? Like, should we go find a who who could really expand our thinking on this? So if it's a you know, a new product capability or, or solving a challenge or even outside of something technical. It's like, hey, let's really expand our marketing reach. It's like, okay, should should we solve that or we should we go find someone who's got tons of experience and is super smart and can really level us up for SaaS marketing? Like, let's go find that person. Mm-hmm. Um, and so it's always asking that question, who, before, you know, before how. What does that search look like for you? In terms of people? Yeah, yeah. People or something else that already exists that's maybe a little smaller than you that can that can boost your product offering or or you, service. Like what is that like t- from that moment that you guys are like, okay, here's our current situation, here's our desired state, there's a gap. We mm-hmm. know we need somebody or something to fill the gap. Like what does that look like for you? Yeah, so there's there's a couple complicated answers to that. So on the on the product side for for the software that we, you know, build and deploy, there's a very big kind of continuum and we have a pretty rigorous process there's all these inputs right to what new product is it's it most important thing hey what do customers want what are our current customers asking for or or maybe not even what they're asking for but what what problems do they have or what efficiencies are they lacking how can we deliver value to them so like what are we hearing from them and then what do we see as an opportunity that you know no one else sees that's an input what does the sales team need to go sell the product right um all those things, and then there's other stuff too, but all those things are inputs. And then there's this ruthless prioritization of like what delivers the most value to our kind of North Star of where we're going, which for us and in, in our industry of, you know, community management is, hey, we want to simplify the lives of community management companies and deliver value to all those stakeholders. So it's, you know, ROI for the management companies to so make them more profitable, more efficient, be able to do their jobs with less, you know, manual touches and then improve the experience for homeowners and board members. So we kind of put everything and it's like, hey, what's going to have the biggest bang for the buck? And then there's this, you know, effort versus, you know, output and all that stuff. So that's this big complex product process. But then in terms of people and capabilities, it's, you know, it's it's hard to ask that question or like remove yourself from problem solving. If you guys are anything like me, like something comes up and you're immediately like, let's try this. Mm-hmm. Here's an idea, you know, and we all do that. But then stepping back and saying, hey, are we trying to solve this like with what we understand or is there someone, is there a who that we can bring in here that can get us, you know, 200% smarter and then, you know, bring ideas that we're not going to think of. So um, that's a complicated answer. But, it's, it, but, but it's a good one. So would you say that, that like, it, it sounds to me like if I could just summarize it, like your role in it all is to ask the right question, like be the collaborator or the connector and then just kind of, what do you guys think? Right. What should we do? It's yeah. I think um, I at least I view my role as, uh, like I said, finding like encouraging the team to continue to find the smartest people possible to have the right team makeup and trying to remove obstacles. Mm-hmm. Right. It's uh, it's 
and it's setting a direction, but it's, it's certainly not coming from me. It's a, the direction that like we all input to, hey, where do we think we want to go? And there's this kind of big North Star of, hey, we want to serve, you know, five million more homes in the next, you know, several years. So let's go there. But how are we going to get there is totally a cultural kind of like the team comes up with that. Mm-hmm. And then uh, I, I think my role is a lot about, you know, how do I remove obstacles and just create an environment that allows those people to be successful and take risks and like be okay with taking risks and making mistakes, but make, make the mistake one time. Don't make the same mistake. Like how do we learn from that and get smarter? Um, and it's all about, I think, setting that environment. Yeah. So what would you say then as we, as we kind of wrap up, if you could go back to you from three years ago, or there's, I'm sitting across from you and I'm you three years ago. Mm-hmm. What are like the three most important? Can't miss. This is how you need to do it if you want to see the you know replicate some level of success like you have. Uh, so I I think the biggest thing is uh, don't be afraid. Like imposter syndrome is like real, but don't be afraid of that at all. Like if you if you're uncomfortable because you think hey I, I don't have the answers here, I don't have the experience. That's sometimes that's the best thing because you've like you're not conditioned to think some way. So like don't be afraid to come in with new ideas that are kind of crazy and whatever. So just take risks on your ideas. Don't be you know don't be turned off or don't shut down if you have that imposter syndrome feeling. Like kind of be bold and take that chance and be okay with you know looking like an idiot sometimes with your ideas. Like that's okay. Um, the other one is what we just talked about is hey find smart people and like don't don't be afraid to say like hey I, I don't know what the answer is here but like. But Matt does, and I'm gonna like Matt. Can we collaborate on this? Like, let's let's work together, or go find that person and say, you know what, our team needs is another person because we can't figure this out. Like, let's let's bring in a new capability. Um, and then I, I guess the last one is um, is more cultural, and we've kind of gotten our our way to this, and we it's really important to all of us at Vanica, but. The culture that we set and the culture that we all kind of work in, to me, is way more important than any strategic plan. Um, there's a there's a Drucker quote from probably like 60 years ago at this point that's culture eats strategy for breakfast, mm-hmm. and I th- I 100% believe that. I think you know creating an environment and and everybody cultivating that environment where people are willing to take risks and make mistakes and you know hold each other accountable in a in a positive kind of no ego way is is the secret sauce that lets a team really soar josh chop those three up for me like one two three and we're gonna post those on social media and little little sure, snippets sure. one each because yeah. i mean there was so much dude and, and i think relevant your, value in that. i think his narrative his vanica narrative it aligns with my experiences of what made a good leader in the marine corps mm-hmm. and and in, i mean and in law enforcement and in any job i've had is having that having the mindset that he's talking about like if you compare you compare a a second lieutenant that was prior enlisted or you know a, a boot second lieutenant who's 22 years old mm-hmm. they show up to the fleet and you know oftentimes the the prior enlisted guys are are like I don't freaking know I'm yeah. brand new I, yeah. this is a new MOS gunny how do we do this right. but then you have other leaders that well no I'm 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 the platoon commander so this yeah. is how we're going to do it yeah. this is this is what I got taught in TBS it's like so, so here well, one thing real quick and that you just hit on something that is a really good thing and I don't think I appreciated this I don't know if I've ever really thought about this but one really interesting thing and you guys saw this a million times you have brand new officers show up to a unit and like 
the dumbest person in the unit. <laughs> like when they show, like doesn't know, like right? I mean, yeah, yeah you're 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 in charge. What do we like, do here, guys? Yeah, like yeah. I'm like yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. Um, Hello, Sergeant so, so, but so that's the experience, right? On on submarines, like yeah, you you've been to school and whatever, and um, you don't know anything about the technical stuff that you're working on, and your guys are all smarter than you. So it's showing up and be like, hey. My goal is to help us get through this deployment, but like, what do we do, guys? Mm-hmm. So showing up to a company and like, hey, we've got a bunch of smart engineers and people who know this industry way better than I do. It's w- just willing to be like, hey, like, I'm here to learn from yeah. you, and like, I'm here to learn from you and help remove obstacles. I str- that's a that's a cool mindset. Dude, I struggled with that early on in my corporate career. As I was like, I showed up and I felt like I had to. I had to prove why right. I was there, right? And it just it bit me in the ass more times than it helped me. And it's just like I just gotta drop this charade, dude. Right. Just like work with people, get to know one another, but have the courage to speak up when you when you feel passionate about an idea or a solution. Right. There's gotta be a very fine line that you walk there between being collaborative but then also being courageous. Mm-hmm. And that's, I think, on the other end of that, that's where the secret sauce of success lives, sure. is in that in that space on the other end of those two things. Yeah, well said. Killer, man. Hell yeah. That was fun, Matt. No, but everything, I had a he, good time. everything he said was like, every good leader that I've ever worked with mm-hmm. was exactly that. It's yeah. like, they don't, they don't show yeah. up and they just own the room, own the show, own the narrative. They're mm-hmm. just like, hey, I'm in this position, but y'all, you guys are the ground pounders. You guys know what's going on, so... Yeah. Let's work collaboratively. Right. So I love good it. for you, man. I'm not That's even awesome. going to try and sell anything at the end of this episode. The only thing I'm going to say, normally I would like pitch our services and sure. step in. I'm not going to dilute the the purity of our conversation with that. The only thing I'm going to say, Matt, is that your Movember is coming along very strong, and that you're totally <laughs> looking strong. like you're totally looking like a, a cop in Boston to would, me right now. Do, do you, I can you guys, see that. Are you guys getting that vibe from I, my life? Like some all? Irish. Why is it gotta yeah, because yeah, you're Irish. <laughs> Where else would an Irish cop be with a mustache like that? In Sacramento, California. <laughs> 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 no, but Sarah, I, when I shaved this last night, Sarah was just like, I have one word. Jackass. Yeah, you look like a jackass. Yeah. Jenna said the same thing. I'm like, babe, that's the point. Yeah, that's it's the just point. It's one month. It's yeah. one yeah. month. It's one month to be stupid. Josh okay. has his. Yeah, but Josh, he, we don't uh, know about He's you ever, on a different level. Have you ever have you ever been like, I need a mustache, man? Uh, well, well, did you go through a phase? Well, uh, so <laughs> I tried. Yeah. Uh, so that's one, 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 one fun, fun thing about submarine deployments is you can like full beard, whatever. Oh, that's cool. Uh, it's cool for yeah. people who can Seriously? grow beards. Yeah. Uh, this wasn't good. Like, yeah. there's a lot of blonde and like you know the. I'm the same not, way. Like, I get a lot of neck. Very beard Scandinavian a, yeah, type it's, beard. It's, yeah. it's not great. Yeah. 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 Oh my gosh, I love it. All right, that's gonna do it for this episode of Signal Fire Radio. Oh, Ben, if somebody wants to learn more about Vantaka, where should they go? <laughs> Vantaka. Vantaka. We had to, we I had put, to do, I put we the heart. Yeah, you had to do one. Uh, no, <laughs> Vantica.com. It's it's you know. So just check check Not that out. Not to be it's, confused with Vantica or Vantaka.com or a submariner. Submariner, submariner. Oh, uh, we're gonna. But yeah, Vantica.com. It's uh, or you know, and we post stuff on LinkedIn or whatever. But uh, yeah, yeah, it's a good thing. Love check it, it man. Thanks for coming on. Until next time, that's gonna do it for this episode of Signal Fire Radio. When we talk to you next week, please commit yourself to strengthening your body, feeding your mind, enriching your spirit, and growing your tribe, and being a signal fire in your community. We'll talk to you next week. Hey, we hope you enjoyed this episode of Signal Fire Radio. Click the links to connect with us on social media. Also, don't forget to like, subscribe, and hit the notification bell on this video. And for more in-depth content, check us out on Patreon. We'll talk to you guys next week.